Okay, it is uh, time to get started. Good morning, everybody, and uh, we will start with our um, invocation this morning, and the person doing the invocation is going to be Yvonne Cox, and this is her last board meeting with us, and uh, Yvonne is going to do the uh, the honors. Thank you, Yvonne. Don't get any harder, people. <laughs> All righty. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we come. And it's just a privilege to come here as a community, as a board, as employees, to look at our water resources and how we best manage those. So we come to you again asking. We ask for wisdom. We ask for knowledge. We ask for foresight. And we ask for fortitude to keep moving forward. You have greatly blessed this agency for so many years with amazing board members, amazing employees, and with a community that completely surrounds us, that participates, that cares, and that's why they're here. So we ask today with all the items on the board that you would just give our board members just new insight and just ways to look at things that they can look towards the future and what's best for this agency. We also ask that you bless all of the employees here today and all of the members from the community who take time out of their day to come to learn and to participate. And so we ask that you would continue the great work that you've done here for so many years. And we just ask that you continue to bless this agency and this meeting today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. With that, I'll call this meeting to order our I believe our last board meeting um, of the year, the Mojave Water Agency, and ask uh, Roger Mays from the High Desert Water District to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Well, nice crowd. Good morning, everybody. And with that, we will have a roll call. Director Cox? Present. Director Hoffman? Here. Director Ramirez? Here. Director Raleigh? Here. Director West? Present. Director Limbaugh? Here. President Page? Here. We also have presenting staff. We have General Manager Adnan Anatoly. We have Melody Bailey and... Mike Simpson, and Carrie LeClaire. Very good. Thank you. Before we get the approval agenda, I just wanted to uh, say a couple things. One, it's uh, nice to see uh, Bill Brunick back. We haven't seen him uh, in a while. It's nice to see him uh, here today. And as forementioned, uh, this is Yvonne's last uh, board meeting. Um, this uh, will be... My last board meeting as president is we're changing uh, officers and probably the last time I plan on running again, but with all the new people we have aboard, this may be the uh, last meeting I ever run as president. You never know what's going to happen, but uh, it could be. So um, with that, we'll have an approval of the agenda, please. On the... Okay, so we got a first by Director Cox. I didn't see, oh, and a second by Marina West, if everyone would vote. Oh, I can't see it. <laughs> With the partition up, I can't. Yeah, I can't right here. Oh, thank you, Mike. That's helpful. So it's uh, 
Six nothing. Someone's not voted. Okay. Seven nothing. So we've approved the agenda. Okay. Now we're moving quickly on to public participation. And um, before I even read this, do we have anyone that's uh, requesting to uh, speak at this time? I do have requests to speak, but they are on specific item number. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and read this for that period of time as well. The public comment period is limited to five minutes per person and not more than 15 minutes in total. Anyone wishing to address any matter pertaining to the agency business listed on the agenda or not may do so at this time. However, the board of directors may not take any action on items that are not on the agenda. Please submit a speaker card to the clerk or you may use the chat box and the go-to meetings to notify the clerk that you wish to speak. And so I heard there's no one wishing to speak at this time. Correct? One more time. Okay. Then we're moving on then to item number five, six, and seven, the consent calendar. If we could have a motion and a second on that. Okay, we got a motion from Director Cox, I'm second trying. from Director Hoffman. <laughs> and now if we could vote... Over here, it votes unanimously, seven to nothing. Okay, so that's passed. We're moving on to item number eight, election of officers, and I believe that Director Limbaugh would like to um, start the action this morning with the, the nomination. Yeah, I'd like to make the following nominations for officers of 2024. President Kimberly Cox, Vice President Rick Raleigh, Secretary Marina West, and Treasurer Mike Page. So you're making that motion? I make that motion. Okay, and do we have a second? I'll second that. I think we need to put these on here, Mike, if you want to do the make the motion on there. Let Mike... Uh, Could you just repeat it one more time, please? Would you repeat the slate one more time? Kimberly Cox, President. Rick Raleigh, Vice President. Marina West, Secretary. And uh, Mike Page, Treasurer. Did I get that right? <laughs> and then, Kathy, you were going to second it? Yes, I am. Okay. Okay, is oh, there any discussion or anything? Everyone good? Okay. And that passed unanimously, seven to nothing. Congratulations, uh, everyone. And as we've done in the past, uh, we don't change uh, who's running the meeting at this time. We just continue on. Congratulations, uh, Director Cox, Mr. Raleigh, uh, Marina, Director West, and um, we will make the switch over um, beginning in uh, in January, and that also includes the um, uh, the committee assignments as uh, well. Okay, we're quickly on to item number nine, and that's consider awarding a professional services agreement contract to Adora for the Ames, Ritchie, Oeste, and Lucerne recharge basins and Westie turnout projects in the amount not to exceed $2,214,113. I'll turn this over to our general manager. Good morning. Yes, I'll briefly introduce this item. As the um, agenda item states, this is uh, four projects uh, in three distinct areas of our service area, uh, Oeste, Este, and then uh, Ames Ritchie. This is uh, for the design um, and uh, design development to get it ready for 
construction and operations. So I don't want to belabor an introduction too long because of our agenda's length. So I, I know Melody has introduced this well in her PowerPoint. So with that, Melody Bailey, if you could take that. Thank you, General Manager Anna Tobley, and good morning to our board and everybody here. I really appreciate you coming out today. So yes, as General Manager Anna Tobley said, the general objective of this project is to construct three recharge basins, which will facilitate water deliveries to the MWA region. So a quick timeline, in August, staff began drafting the RFP, and then we released the RFP in September. We had an informational workshop with the board on September 28th to discuss this project and some of the ideas that we had. Written questions were due in October. The proposals were due October 9th. And then we did not do any interviews. They were not necessary based off of our uh, assessment of the proposers that we received and the proposals that we received. And we came to the staff recommendation on November 21st, and then here we are um, at the board of directors, hopefully to award the contract for this project. So we've talked about this a lot over the years. There's been a lot of considerations. Most recently, um, as I mentioned, at the Planning Resource Engineering and Operations Committee meeting, um, we provided a recommendation to the committee to consider forwarding to the Board of Directors. And so we wanted to bring that to the board for further consideration and discussion. Real quick, we talked about the why quite a bit at the workshop. We went into details on the mission, which is to collaboratively manage groundwater basins sustainably, import water responsibly, and address risk proactively. So we discussed the MWA Act. We discussed our strategic objectives, which staff uses to kind of give us direction throughout the year. We also discussed the different adjudications and judgments that we managed to. So we have seen long-term groundwater declines, which led to the 1996 Mojave Basin Area Judgment with an obligation to import, import supplemental water. But we also have other judgments that we're helping manage too, which is the Ames Reggie Management Agreement, and then also the Warren Basin adjudication considerations that High Desert Water District is the water master for. So we talked about that in detail at the workshop as well. Also, we talked about our future at Mojave Water Agency. So. Um, in that we want to identify and maintain access to imported water supplies in sufficient quantities that when combined with local supplies, we can meet urban water management planning requirements and support local communities and land use plans. So we discussed here the imported water management policy that guides the agency on how we're gonna manage our imported water to meet these legal duties and also ensure basin health. We also discussed the variability of, the, of state water project and the requirements that infrastructure um, will need of us so that we can strategize to best take advantage of wet years and become more drought resilient in the dry years. So these are the locations um, of the recharge basins. So on the far right of the screen, you have the Ames Retchie Recharge Basin. That is the first one that we are aiming to tackle. 
Then you have the Lucerne Valley Recharge Basin right there smack dab in the middle um, all along our pipeline, which is that blue and black dotted line. And then on the far left of our service area, we have the OSA Recharge Basin. And I'll dive a lot more into these as we have before as well. Starting with Ames. So this is the Ames Basin. On the far left-hand side, you have the current Ames Retchie Recharge Site. This facility is about half of an acre right now in the wash. It's very onerous, which we'll get into. Um, and then we have these two parcels. So in September, we acquired the one on the left-hand side. And then in a tax sale in 2022, we acquired the one on the right side. So there's been lots of discussions since that tax sale of doing recharge basins, um, another recharge basin out in this area. Further east of these parcels shown on here is the Winters Road Flow Control Facility. And we're currently doing a, an experiment out there at the Winters Road Recharge, which is relatively small. And we're getting percolation rates of about 1.85 feet per day. So, and the blue line again is the pipeline location. So um, it's a relatively mild impact as far as the cost of pipeline goes. So our current situation, the existing facility has been operational since 2014. It's approximately 0.5 acres. There are challenges there. The capacity is limited. We have weekend shutdowns because you can't put a fence around this property as it's in the wash. There's a lot of permitting requirements for flood control. Um, the California Department of Fish and Game and various other environmental permitting requirements. And so we have very little flexibility operationally on this basin. So our proposed objective is to relocate this parcel onto the 10 acre parcel, which will reduce those challenges and increase flexibility. So if you increase the size of the basin, our hope also is to increase the, the capacity to be able to put more water there. Also, and I wanted to add on this item, um, we've had conversations with some of the stakeholders in the region, and we want to optimize this site, and we really want to work with them. And there have been some conversations about them volunteering their services and their time in order to make this operational and uh, beneficial for our region as well. The OSA recharge site, um, this one I'll also add that same stakeholder conversation. And this is a 10 acre parcel. There is no current pipeline or existing infrastructure. And it has been delayed for some time because of the Joshua Tree decision. And now that we have direction, we would like to move forward with this. So the current situation, we do not currently have any recharge capabilities to the OSA subbasin in order to meet the Watermaster obligations. Our proposed objective is to assess recharge feasibility at this 10 acre site. Um, with a design flow of approximately five to six CFS. So this will be a temporary turnout siphon from the aqueduct and then construct the recharge basins. We also want to install a multi-completion monitoring well um, to help monitor the infiltration rates, groundwater levels, and do a full suite on water quality. This also requires us to finalize some DWR permits and optimize capacity. So as I mentioned, stakeholders are also um, really interested in helping us participate on this facility as well.
Project three is the Lucerne Valley Recharge Basin. So this is a five acre parcel that we, earn, we own at the Lucerne Valley Pump Station. And we have about three acres that we can um, develop for recharge. This was also on hold for the Joshua Tree decision. And so with the finals on that, we're ready to move forward. We have a monitoring well already going in at this facility. We're already working on that. The board approved that um, not too long ago. And so that will go in and give us the multiple hydrogeologic understanding of what's going on out there. So we did a small demonstration project on that in February of 2021. We were able to get about 3.8 feet per day. Ramp down is now occurring in the Este Basin and there is little or no replacement obligation um, moving into that basin. The preliminary designs are complete, so Adura will look at those in their task too when they're acquiring all of our data, and then from there we'll make more determinations. So a lot of this work has been done on some of these basins, whether it be hydrogeologic data or whether it be some preliminary designs. So, or the monitoring well, for example, on this site. So we are hoping to cut some of the costs in the proposal based off that, which we'll discuss more in detail. So our proposed objective is to modify the existing pump station piping to convey water to the three acre basin. We wanna maximize the flow rate. We wanna design annual recharge up to approximately 7,300 acre feet and optimize the capacity and make sure that it's able for maintenance for our operations crew. So based on the results of the pilot recharge station in OSA that I previously discussed, we will then come in and make this a permanent turnout. So there will be a few minor improvements to the facility. Then we'll do the aqueduct turnout with the respective DWR permitting and then the traveling screen or any other necessary fixtures that are going to be needed. So with that, these are the tasks that are in the proposal, as I mentioned, task two, I want to call attention to, that's the data gathering and investigations. We've done a lot of that work already in-house. We just need to gather it, organize it, and get it to the consultant. We didn't want to inundate the RFP process by providing all of that data through our BidNet portal. There's a lot that we have already completed, and some of these already have some preliminary design that just need a final approval. And then another item I want to call to your attention is task eight, the grant funding that is relatively new for our proposal processes. We really wanted to structure in some grant funding in this element to find some additional financial support on doing these projects. So we did choose Ardura. They provided the most thorough proposal with comprehensive understanding of the entire project. They pulled together a qualified and really experienced team in grant writing, DWR permitting, and the hydrogeologic monitoring well plan. The other proposals were David Evans, and they just didn't fully support the grant support element or the DWR permitting. Provost and Pritchard, they lacked adequate permitting scope on the environmental and cultural. They didn't really provide a hydrogeology scope, and they didn't have a grant strategy, which was something we were looking for. 
TKE fell short in the overall comprehensive understanding of the project. Their timeline also stretched out quite far, and it didn't mention any strategies for grant opportunities. So that's why Adura was selected. These are the cost comparisons of the four proposals. So you can see that Ardura came in at a mid value. In comparison, it was towards the top with Provost and Pritchard at the bottom. But after doing a detailed analysis of the cost comparison, um, they fell in the middle because David Evans did not provide the hours or the um, the markup costs or the hourly wages were not included. So it was really difficult to do a um, cost comparison with David Evans. So I compared their hours and for each task and overall Ardura was in the middle. Also Ardura was unanimously selected during the proposal review process by five different staff members as being the best firm and the best proposal for the quality that the agency is looking for on this. So TKE had the double number of hours. David Evans just provided a lump sum estimations, and Provost and Pritchard did not include enough hours for various task elements, especially the geotechnical elements. So in discussing um, at the committee, there was some discussion about looking at the finances a little bit more for this. So I did get with Carrie LeClaire and our financing team to go through this in detail. And You'll see here that this is a pretty busy slide. So on the far right-hand side, you'll see Ardura's proposed amount. And then on the far left-hand side, you'll see for the project number. So for ames Retchy relocation, for example, Ardura proposed $587,743. And then we looked at the capital budget for these items, the capital improvement budget items. And these were budgeted for fiscal year 23-24, those columns at the top in the middle there, 24-25, 25-26. So the ames Retchie relocation facility is in the capital improvement budget for the fiscal years 24-25, 25-26 for a total of $900,000. The OSA demonstration pilot test was budgeted for this fiscal year in the amount of $300,000, Lucerne for $200,000. I also want to point out that part of Lucerne's basin has been covered in the Prop 1 of the Irwin Round 2 grant funding for $100,000 for the planning. And then um, in the future, there's a $400,000 for future construction for the Lucerne Valley. And then the OSA permanent that was planned in 24-25 has $300,000. So those total boxes at the bottom are summations of how much was budgeted for each fiscal year. So in total, we have budgeted $1.7 million. And then um, I added the grant funding on there for budget sake, even though it should be a, kind of removed from there. And so in total, we didn't budget $414,113. So I hope that kind of clarifies some costs. If there's any questions, maybe this is a good time to stop. Well, uh, let's open it up to questions. Uh, just whoever, just raise their hand or just start talking. Okay, so Marina, as, I think you as, want to go first and then Director Cox. As, as far as questions, I don't have any questions at this point. Um, I'll have some comments at the end, though. Director Cox? So 
So for the Ames Ricci location, would we abandon the current uh, area that we're using for recharge now? Yes. Would we uh, remove that facility or what would that look like? Would we put a cap on the pipe or how exactly would that go? I don't think we've discussed that in detail yet. Adnan, would you like to take that one? Sure, I think, um, thank you. Yeah, this, we don't know yet, and it's not part of the scope of this work, um, but I, my guess is that if the new sites pan out, which is expected to happen, we'd, uh, we'd uh, you know, analyze whether or not we could operate in such a manner that we wouldn't need that old site, which then, you know, we'd look at how do we decommission. Because right now it represents quite a bit of risk. I, I, um, I have a comment I wanted to make on this slide, but uh, see, Tony, if you want to add to that first. Sure. So our intent is to just cut in a T and put in a couple of isolation valves. At least for the near term, the facility would remain intact, and we would then discuss in the future whether we wanted to actually remove the infrastructure or not. But uh, for the short term, for the scope included in this project, the intent was just cut in a T, a couple isolation valves, which would provide the flexibility, honestly, of using both sites, the new one and the old one. Um, as far as abandoning the infrastructure, we'll, we'll see going forward. And I just wanted to make a comment on this slide. Um, at you know early stage design, it's really hard to come up with an exact no. You know what you know is going to be spent to do things. I mean, uh, Melody had just mentioned the data gathering piece. Um, you know assumptions that a certain consultant may make going into it. Assume you know this is in this format or whatever, um, and those get sort of corrected as you go through the process. Uh, the, the the contract um, anticipated under this award is time and material. So I just want to put that as kind of context back in your mind that it's managed throughout the project. So is this actually going to be the spend? You know, we'll, you know, we'll have to see. Uh, there may be some reallocation of the of the authorization to different um, projects. But um, I, I wanted to just kind of lay it out there and recognize that in the project management step, um, you know, this this is going to be managed um, uh, carefully. My next question on the OS day uh, site, it looked like there were three ephemeral streams that went through there. If you want to put that picture back up. Um, how are we going to, I mean, I'm sure part of the scope is figuring out how to locate these recharge basins so that we don't interfere with that and at the very least uh, there should be a conversation with Lahontan to see if they have any concern or interest. Yeah, those ephemeral streams have been beheaded by the California Aqueduct. We've actually completed CEQA on this site already for the, for the demonstration. What you can't see on this image is just to the left on the California Aqueduct, there is an overshoot. Um, so... Sorry, we're just checking. Okay. Um, so, so the headwaters to those beheaded washes have been captured by the aqueduct facilities and moved to slightly just to the left off the property. Our CEQA identifies those as beheaded washes and they, they're no longer active. Oh, that's perfect. And I have all the confidence in the world that we will get some grants to help cover the construction on these projects. It's very exciting. That's all, Mr. President. Yeah, I have a couple questions. Um, I'd like to thank the committee that first heard this and uh, bringing the awareness of the discrepancy and the, the cost, which uh, I think staff has addressed um, very well. And for those that haven't read the proposal that the uh, 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 potential award goes to, it, it's a really good proposal. There's a lot of repetition in the scope of work, but um, 
regarding that, um, the projects in, in some of the items that you've given us, it looks like it's now goes out to 2029. Is that for construction too, or is that the full development of the project? On the <laughs> one thing, it, it went to 2029 now on the new presentation. But the main bulk of the work that this consultant's going to do is from next year to 2026, correct? Correct. Barring unforeseen conditions, right. I mean, it could go further. Um, I guess I'm going to ask staff, uh, in the selection process, um, you mentioned that you all came to the conclusion that these guys were far and away the best. And was that based on the, the scope of their proposal, the depth of their proposal, or the people that were involved with their proposal? Um, in, in the process, did you all come to the same conclusion that uh, these are the guys, and obviously you select the best. That's our goal here, not not the cheapest, but the best. Um, sometimes it's more important to just get the cheapest, but we want the best for this. So that's pretty much what your consensus was? Yes, that's what our consensus was. So we had five staff members who reviewed this, and they mostly looked at the qualifications of the team, the relevant experience, the project understanding, any similar experience, and then the relevant tools and techniques, and cost was the last element that staff reviewed. And we all came to the same consideration as far as the qualifications, as you mentioned. Now, under under the uh, selection process, did you see resumes of people with each firm? Yes. Okay. Did each project have repetition of same people or different people working on different projects for the, for the main work? There was some repetition. Okay. So we might get the same guy for three years working on this job. Yes. Okay. Um, this, the next thing I would say that uh, if we choose to award this work, which I, I recommend we, we do, um, I hope next year when we start off that we'll get some type of scale, a schedule that shows all those activities and some type of more defined budget uh, so we can follow what, what, what's going on with that. Because it, it, it's a lot of money, but it's over three or four years. So from that perspective, it's not horrific. So uh, thank you. That's all I have. One else? Okay. Um, Director West, did you say you wanted some comments? Comment. I'm not done yet if you want to wait till the oh, end. I'm sorry. <laughs> we had so many. Just don't present Okay. <laughs> well, let's just end the presentation now. <laughs> All right, I'll move forward. <laughs> Sorry about that, Melody. So I just wanted to show on BidNet where these water resource requests were for the capital improvement projects and these itemized requests and how much. So I just took these and I summed them in that table you previously saw. But it is on our um, Gov portal that is public, and you all should have access to see these. So the fiscal impact, the total proposed cost is... $2,214,133. As mentioned, some of these costs are budgeted, and there is some grant funding for this project, and we are also hopeful that we can get some future grant funding. Um, this project will be better budgeted and included in future budgets, and as I mentioned, grant opportunities will be actively pursued to help with the overall expense of the project, and we will also look to some of our stakeholders to see if we can offset any of the construction costs as well and what that might look like for our agency as well. So, I have one question. On, on your summary table of the money, what's the negative 400000 Is that for... That's how much that we haven't budgeted. Already have budgeted? 
that we have not budgeted. We have not budgeted. Okay. The shortfall, yes. Thank you. So staff recommends that the board of directors authorize awarding a professional services agreement contract to Ardura for the Ames Retchy, OSA, and Lucerne recharge basins and OSA turnout projects in the amount not to exceed $2,214,113. And with that, I'm done. Thank you. <laughs> Director West, you now have some comments. Th thank you, President Page. Um, so being a director up here, this is the really fun part, where uh, especially um, we're working on science. Um, so it's also one of the specific reasons I wanted to be here with all of you is the work we do together. So being a geologist is right up my alley. So I wanted to comment on, um, again, I think Adnan touched on this, but I know the effort to complete this comprehensive evaluation and scoring mechanism on RFPs is a little different from public works. Um, I know now that this work will be phased and it'll be decision-based, right, on actual uh, products. So at this point, the consultants were required to dream up the planned approach. It was a vision of how to do it. They weren't asked to evaluate all the data we had available and pull that together before constructing their proposal. Um, and I'm saying this because, you know, there's this large change in the or a differential between the proposals. And so, Melody, I wanted to thank you for the summary slides that came out since the committee because it, it's important for all of us to be able to stand up uh, to one of these consultants and say, well, I know why you weren't selected. Uh, and it was made very clear in the presentation. And so I appreciate the add-ons for that. Uh, regarding AIMS, um, you know, that site that exists could also be reworked in the future. I think staff knows this, that um, Bighorn Desert View Water Agency may actually take possession of that land from the BLM, and that would change the whole entire fabric of how we operate. It could open the site for further additional recharge. Um, when we ran environmental, it was for a total of 1,500 acre feet. So there's still capacity there if we enlarged it. Uh, and knowing so far that recharge rates appear rather low in that area uh, between the actual AIM site and this new test site is, um, you know, we're probably going to be somewhere in that same range. Um, and so we may still need all three facilities to meet customer demands in some future scenarios. So I agree with Tony. That's a later decision on what happens to AIMS. It can go inactive for a while. If things are great and we don't need it, we can make those decisions later. And as I've said before, a CFS is a CFS is a CFS, and it adds up over time for our region, and everyone needs to keep a little bit of perspective here. Our region, the Morongo Basin, just does not use the amount of water that's used in this region, the Mojave region. And so, I mean, we're on the level of a tenth, probably, right, of the demands. And so everybody wants to think about big numbers, but in Ames and in the Morongo Basin, it's not as much volume, right? And I think Tony would agree with that. Um, so on this effort or on the subject, I took some additional time offline to discuss this, um, the overall objective of the work in Division Two. I had specific questions since we already have some uh, work done and I've been assured that that all feeds in next and into a duro again they could not project all those things we didn't ask them to um, and now 
the project will also consider uh, concepts that might be very long-term, very in line with our master planning efforts, and those are also not clear to us now. Um, and so I agree with this proposal, and I support it wholeheartedly. Um, and as is common for this agency, we'll get in line for those grants. So thank you. Anyone else? Then I would like to turn it over to the chair of that committee, PR. Mr. President, I yep. do have two requests to speak on this item. Oh, did not see that Oopsie. on there. Okay. The first uh, request to speak is from Tony Culver with High Desert Water District. Good morning. Uh, this is Tony Culver with High Desert Water. So uh, we, we support this project wholeheartedly because we're, we're wanting to start recharging up in that area because we have a well up in that area also. And um, actually, we were supposed to do it a long time ago, so this will help us catch up a little bit. But uh, we also been talking to um, Mojave staff on uh, our abilities as a district. We can go in there and build that project. So we're willing to work with Mojave and uh, build this project for them to hopefully make this a successful project. So, and. Thank you. Good. The next speaker is Sean Wright. Good morning. I'm Good morning. Wright, the Water Operations Manager with Field and Pinion Hills Community Service District. The district would like to convey its gratitude to Melody and Tony for working so diligently on this the West Day Recharge Project. Um, and I'd like to express our unwavering support for the West Day Recharge Project. Thank you. Thank you. With that, I'm going to go to the chair of that uh, committee, and then if uh, one of the committee members uh, then wants to second it, that'd be great. Director Limbaugh. Yeah, um, I, I move that we uh, approve the amount not to exceed 2.214 million. But but I, you know, that's a motion. But keep in mind, folks, that uh, this is a multi-year phase project, and we approve our budgets sometime in May. So uh, every year, this will be back to us for money amounts. And that's why uh, when we see a detailed break, breakdown of all the costs associated with each element of this, which we want to move forward with uh, without question, uh, that, that we'll get another chance at the money. So uh, even though we're approving $2.2 it's pretty much a namesake only. Um, so that's uh, I make that motion. Okay, did you want to put that on the... Screen or Gosh, um, can we do it verbally? Doesn't it? We need that one like Alexa. Alexa, okay. vote yes. Okay, and then someone from the committee for the second, <laughs> right? Okay, okay. See that we've got five votes in so far. Six, seven. It's unanimous. Thank you, everyone. Now we're on to item number 10, because that passes. And uh, now we're going to talk about the agency employee pay schedule. We're going to consider adopting updates to the uh, agency employee pay schedule for 23-24, effective July um, 1 of 2023. General Manager Anaptawe. Good morning. Thank you. Um, as Melody pulls up those slides... Um, this is an area of focus for me over the last several months that has taken up quite a bit of time, but um, happily, because 
it's important to me that um, we've got the makings, the, stru the structure, and the template needed to be very successful uh, now and going into the future with respect to our most important asset, which is our human resources. Um, and so uh, I didn't have the luxury of two meetings, two board meetings, um, this month or last month. And so usually I would have waited a little bit longer than uh, just when we spoke last about this, which was Tuesday at committee. Um, so I want to recognize um, that this, this probably happened faster than uh, would normally uh, occur. But uh, with that as a backdrop, um, I, I want to, if you could advance a slide, I'm going to talk about two separate distinct topics, one being the structure of our uh, staffing, um, how, what positions we have, what levels they have them, what, what our career series look like, our department management, um, and uh, uh, classification. So this was actually reviewed as part of a workshop in November at PFSD. And um, this is really where the rubber meets the road in terms of the, the board action that would result in our ability to implement some of those ideas. Um, the second part is related to a different topic, but also uh, you know, would re require a change to our salary plan, hence why it's brought together here. Um, but um, So we'll handle part one first, and then I'll take questions, and I'll move on to part two, and then I'll read the recommendation at the end of this. So uh, bear with me as we kind of uh, uh, move through that. So under the staffing concepts, the first kind of area of interest for me was understanding what our career ladders look like within each of the, uh, the job series. And this, this trend sort of emerges where we typically have a one, two, and a senior. And then uh, employees forced to sort of go into management if they want to move up and, and advance in their career. Um, that's quite limiting, especially for an agency of our size where there aren't many of those jobs. And uh, not to mention that's probably not a job that everyone wants or is good at. So uh, is there a potential for this technical path uh, to, to hone the technical skills, provide technical value to the agency, and recognize the improved and higher performing level of that employee over time? And that's where the, uh, the lead and principal and the senior principal or chief concepts emerged from. Okay, part two is a templatized concept to this. So we have sort of three types of jobs within the agencies. The agency, uh, the administrative assistant line, the technicians and specialists, which are you know, further technical but maybe less than a professional series. Um, but all three of these are, are, are series that we have within the agencies. I don't know why I'm saying it plural. Uh, agency, um, but we didn't have a consistent level, uh, step level, uh, for each of those categories. So there was an interest of mine was to standardize that across our, our, um, our job series so that the potential for improvement and advancement in one's career is, is consistent across the board. Next. This all really culminates in, in being able to, as well as new series and classifications that describe what job and um, toolkits those staff people come with to do the job you need to get done. I want to recognize that you know, what we were 10, 20 years ago as an agency is not what we are today, and it won't be what we are in 20 years, or the needs of the agency won't be the same. And so having a, a wide swath of uh, job series we could recruit for and, and develop into provides us the biggest flexible um, 
approach to being able to tackle the challenges as well as um, recognize the, the, the skill sets we can bring into the agency. So it's really a, 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 the flexibility tool to be most effective. Thank you. And if you click through, so I'm going to, I have a few slides here to describe the additions to the salary plan in um, response to those concepts. Uh, for our existing classification series, I've added a lead level um, for the human resources specialist, public information specialist, accountant, systems administrator, and a water resources specialist. And next, and for the principal and chief levels within our professional designations, um, the data analysts, engineer, water resources analyst, and the hydrogeologist. Note the hydrogeologist, we actually had a principal level four, but it was the, uh, the unique series where, where that, that occurred. So those are existing classifications, adding levels to them. Next slide. New classifications. Um, in the specialist technician track, the one, two seniors and leads adding for a database administrator, a data specialist, which you'll note similar to an analyst, but it's uh, requiring um, slightly less um, uh, in terms of uh, potential education or licensure. Engineering technician, same concept. GIS technician and legislative, legislative specialist. And for the professional series, a financial analyst, water resources scientist, a management analyst, and a legislative analyst. And so these kind of originated from conversations we've been having. I've had with uh, department heads. I've been talking to, uh, I've been reviewing kind of uh, what other agencies are doing. And this is a good sort of broad set of series that uh, the agency could adopt and bring in so that it could be ready to hire and recruit what it needs to um, now and, and going forward. Next slide. And then for the management um, structure, uh, making sure that we have both the supervisor and manager level within the salary plan. Uh, and this actually, this comment applies to the whole, everything I'm doing here or proposing here. The intent is not to hire and recruit and fill positions in each of these things at any one time. This is really just the template to use, these, the structure in place to be ready um, so that if you do have staff performing at a certain level and you want to recognize it, bringing value to the agency, that's an option. Uh, for department management specifically, as the needs of department changes or grows or uh, you know, the agency takes on new responsibilities, being able to adjust and respond in a department management sense to, to be effective there, this, again, provides that, uh, that foundation. And it lets us think about it before having to make and shoot from the hip on decisions like this. Uh, we've gone through, undergone a lot of changes, turnover in staff, not just actually in the staff, but also our board is quite, quite a few of you are, are rather are new. And so this is really just in response to that changing time, recognizing things may be different and we want to be ready to uh, adapt to that change. Next slide. Okay. So before I move on to this slide, actually, um, I wanted to pause and that was really the discussion related to um, uh, a template Template structure applied to job series, adding new positions that describe the type of work we may expect to want and need within the agency to be effective at delivering on our strategic plan, as well as some department management structural um, uh, additions. So any, uh, I'm looking for reactions, thoughts, uh, or comments for that section. Director West. Thank you. <clears throat> um, as to this uh, structural changes proposed, um, I agree we should have adequate staff to meet, you know, our missions and obligations. And I acknowledge that uh, 
General Manager Anna Abtawe has moved quickly to reset the structure of the organization, at least in part due to the number of vacancies and the stretching of our staff resources, um, its effects on skills and morale at various points in time because of this rapid change in leadership uh, at the agency. And then we took that walk through COVID, COVID and, um, and now we're dealing with some new um, challenges alongside this competitive employee pool in, in, out in our universe. Um, and so we have to think outside norms. And I, I totally agree with this open-minded approach to employee advancement, um, especially when we have such a wide variety of classifications here. Um, allows good career advancement options. And so I'm, I'm definitely behind that concept. One question I had, Adan, is on these level four and level five positions, are those limited number of seats that could be filled? Not necessarily. This is going to be an intentional conversation that uh, staff is having with their department heads, their supervisors, as well as me to say, you know, um, uh, are they performing or prepared to perform at that level? And what what is expected of that role and what, uh, you know, what are they going to be working on? So there's still going to be an intentional effort. You know, do we do we want to stack, let's say, um, our water resources department with all senior principal engineer or uh, water resources scientists? That's probably not the best fit for what we're trying to accomplish, as well as you know, part of what we do is develop staff and develop people. And so you'd want a, a good blend of, you know, those that are younger or ju junior in their career to those that uh, are more seasoned. So um, this is an intentional conversation. The, the actual allocation of, of staffing for our budget is in the budget discussion. So what, what the discussion here really is nothing to do with that, that particular question. Um, I, I know why you're asking the question because that's generally um, the, the concern is, hey, how, how we control this to make sure we can even afford, you know, what's being proposed? Or let's say we do have a bunch of high performers. You know, can we, can we spend on them? Well, that, that honest discussion happens in the budgeting um, and the budget uh, development. Well, let, we, let, let me rephrase it. So yeah. if you have five departments, you're not going to have ten department heads, right? Oh, correct. Yes. For the department okay. management specific, yes, that's very structural on how... But others know. could have multiple uh, level fours in their department. Okay. Yes, technical staff, yeah, that could, right, if we're doing, um, and we do a lot of work with consultants. I mean, we just had a presentation on an award to a consultant. We could potentially, if we had the work uh, available to keep a staff, you know, staff busy, we could hire on and potentially produce that type of a work ourselves it's just a matter of can you keep those people busy with the constant stream of work and so that's the 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 balance that's played and discussed in during the budget um, discussion and so i guess the flip side of that is then every employee has uh in their classification of course has the ability to almost get to well almost in all cases get to level five yeah the, the opportunity few, is except for a few instances where you know again we're not gonna have two department heads of the same department right okay Thank you. Uh, that was all my comments on this half. What else? Director Cox. Kimberly, if you could do a mic. I'm excited about this option. We started back with Allison when she, you know, worked on um, retooling how the organization is staffed, and I think this just really is an excellent culmination of that, I love the fact that some of our highly skilled folks can see that they can be here their entire career, that we're accommodating that. 
um, with these new uh, potential uh, titles. So I think this is a really good move for us in the current job market. What else? Yeah, I'd like to say uh, this is this is good. Potential's good. Advancement's good. Um, allowing us a lot of flexibility in, in what we have for staff is good. Metropolitan Water District has 45 pages of job descriptions. <laughs> 45 pages. I hope we don't go that far. But uh, so we're 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 doing the right thing, I think, by allowing the agency to have lots of flexibility and adapting to changing needs. And it is very true. Uh, 20 years ago, the staff looked a lot different. Job tiles looked a lot different than they do today. And probably in 20 years from now, they'll still look a lot different. All still, though, uh, hanging in with our mission uh, to serve our resource so, and serve our uh, constituents. Yeah, good ideas. Any other? We're still going to talk about part two, though? Yeah, yes. Okay. Any other on, on this? Can we just vote on part one, or do we have to vote on all of it? We'll, we'll get there, Mike. Anyone else before I make so a trying comment? Trying to expedite, that's all. <laughs> you did want to say something, Jesse? Yes, yes. Director so Ramirez? This is a good idea. Uh, I think all companies are right now struggling to train and retain their employees. Uh, so this is a step in the right direction. Thank you. I don't think there's anyone else. Just my comments, I've actually got to live in in this system and it uh, if done right can be very beneficial and very good for um, the employees having things to to work towards and again the key is execution and the key is that down the road that someone doesn't uh, take this the wrong direction and just start uh, putting people in places so that they can uh, advance and not deserve it so that's going to be up to the agency and those in the future um, to make sure that that doesn't that doesn't happen. So, um, General Manager Anna Tabway, so we're now rolling to part two? Yes. Okay. Thank you for the feedback and comments. And yeah, I, just, I wanted to parse this out so we could talk distinctly about these two different concepts. So um, number two is, uh, part two of this is related to a current issue um, with compensation uh, in result, with, resulting from a merit and recommendation for a merit increase. So the agency performs, uh, has in, as part of its process with its staff, an annual evaluation and performance um, uh, review process. That's an opportunity for staff to work with their supervisors to understand what they did well, where they need improvement, uh, goals to seek for the next year. I mean, back uh, relating this to our, our, our first discussion, right, if, if some staff wants to advance to the next level, they can have a, a real good conversation with their supervisor about that expectation, uh, set that as goals, and basically demonstrate, yes, they would be ready you know, if the year plays out and, they, and, they've, and they've demonstrated that. So this process is important for staff development, growth. It's also great for supervisors to get a sense and have a way to communicate needs um, and uh, areas of improvement um, as, as part of that. And resulting from that performance evaluation, merit increases to merit um, uh, and compensation are, are result from that. Um, now that's done across the board. Um, you know, the, the system we have is pretty common for most organizations um, that operate, and that is, you know, scores. Performance evaluation results in a score. A score results in a recommendation for an increase. Let's say 
that uh, employee gets a 2% uh, recommendation, that would then apply to that, that staff person's salary and would carry into the next year. And so uh, if you click through, um, the intent here is to award a merit performance increases to pay across the organization in a consistent manner. Um, now, one of the problems that occurs is for those at or near the top of their salary range, um, they're at the top. And so when a, a, war, a recommendation for merit increase is made, uh, well, they've hit the ceiling. That can't be awarded. And so you have a misalignment of incentive to perform. Um, and that was a, that's an issue I want to address with this uh, part two uh, recommendation. Uh, the concept here is a non-base building compensation. So an ability to award above the top, so in other words, adding a new max column or range or number to the range so that employees can be paid on a temporary basis above the top in, um, uh, in proportion to the merit increase recommended out of the performance evaluation, but then that would then reset, have to essentially be re-earned the following year. Um, if you click one more thing, I think I have one more bullet. Yeah, so that's, I explained this already. So that's the concept. Um, to illustrate this, I've tried my best with a slide. Hopefully it doesn't just add to more confusion, but uh, if you click through. So for most employees, um, and I made this caveat last time, uh, this is not to scale, and it's not even to relative position. So just look, on the left is kind of the, the visual, and on the right is some numbers I assigned to this to give a sense of an example. If a range that an employee sits in is within 80 to 120,000, and that employee is currently earning 100,000, um, let's uh, for the year let's assume that a COLA or cost of living adjustment of 2% is calculated, that applies to the range, and then is awarded to the employee as well, just as a you know consideration being paid the same essentially adjusted for uh, cost of living. Uh, let's say they receive a merit increase of 3%, or that's the recommendation. Well, they would shift up their scale, relatively speaking. They'd shift up that range. And um, in this case, that merit 3% would be applied to 100000 That would be a $3,000 contribution from merit. So the COLA plus the merit, the employee is now at one hundred five, And the range is adjusted forward. But you'll notice that, relatively speaking, they've moved up in that range, which is what you expect out of someone's performance over time as they develop, uh, they hone their skills, they, they become more competent, and so on. Uh, next year, the picture would look like that combined picture uh, at the bottom, right, uh, with the COLA and the merit applied. Next slide. So I want to illustrate this for those near or at the top of their range. So if we took the same range, but then this employee happens to be earning 120 at the top of their range, a COLA is adjusted the range and applied to the salary, now that employee is at the top of the range. A merit increase is recommended, a 3%. Well, that takes them above the range. We cannot pay that. So um, the recommendation here is to add this max range above to allow a temporary pay uh, commensurate with the merit increase recommended um, to then bring that employee within the range adopted within the salary schedule. This allows compensation, co consistent, and uh, with what is done for every other staff person, in, independent of whether or not they happen to be at the top of their range at a time. Uh, if you click one more, I think, okay. And so this just re uh, illustrates that this would then reset at the end of the year, it would have to essentially be re-earned through the merit process. 
Next slide. So along with this, in addition to the personnel rules would include uh, the definition that I just described here. I, I won't read this in full, but the non-base building compensation describes this process under which uh, the maximum column is added. A, a employee may be paid up at, at no uh, point more than that, but up to that. Um, and then anything above the top gets reset back under this um, non-base building concept. So this is part two. It's distinctly different. Um, uh, if we go to the next slide, the, the staff recommendation, I'm going to read this right now as a combined um, uh, recommendation. Staff recommends the board directors approve the updated personnel policies and procedures and the updated pay employee pay schedule for fiscal year 23-24 effective July 1st. In other words, this, is, this would be retro. Um, and then uh, the assumptions we bring this back in for the 24-25 pay schedule under a different item with the changes that are being made here. Um, and so this includes both of those parts. At this point, I'm happy to take questions. I know I've, I've asked Georg to please be present for this conversation. If there was any interest or questions that you wanted to, um, to kick off to a professional whose job is to consult with agencies with respect to pay, um, pay schedules um, and that type of thing, you know, he is, he's going to be a better source of that, uh, at least what's happening elsewhere. Um, so with that, uh, happy to take questions. Okay. And I just, uh, on how I want to do this uh, on this piece is that sometimes we do questions, but we also throw our opinions in. Um, why don't we just start with questions first, and then we will get to our opinions on this. So those that have questions, um, Director Cox, do you have any questions? Okay. Anyone else with questions? Then we can. Get, yeah. Okay. So we're going to start with Director West because she nodded first, and then uh, Director Limbaugh because I know that there's different sides on this, and want to make sure we get the questions answered first. Right. So we're going to weave in and out here. Yes. Um, I spent a s pretty serious amount of time in the last 24 hours on this. So uh, first, let's go back. In the la well, we've only had about 48 to look at it, and um, okay. So can we go back to that sli the famous slide? with the bar chart on the next one up, that one. Okay, I still can't wrap my head around this 134.640 blue number. Like, it doesn't compute for me. I don't know where it came from. Is it just thrown in there for illustration once the cola pushes that range way up? Because the bottom stayed and the top, it's well above 122.4. I'm really, conf I was confused by that uh, Tuesday and I'm still confused. I'm looking at it now, maybe my mouth is a little wrong, but the idea was to apply 10% above the top of the range as the max. So it would be the, the area under which the, 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 the non-base building compensation would, um, would take place. All right, we'll move on. <laughs> I'm still... All right. Um, so moving down my questions. How many steps between, and percent per step between a job range bottom to middle to top? We, we don't currently use a step system within our ranges. This is, uh, it's more fluid. So the merit evaluation um, could go from, let's say, 0% to, let's say, 0 to 5%. Um, an employee could earn anything between them based on the, the, on the score and uh, its associated increase uh, recommendation. A lot more fluid than a step fun step uh, system where you may have a, a two and a half percent step 
uh, um, between those, and so everyone gets a consistent increase. So um, if everyone could get 10% then or go to math, I mean, how is that budgeted to where are you provided some sort of salary base budget for increases you have to live within or I'm confused yeah, the general that could the, get out of control so uh, the budget assumes a you know we, we may assume something like a three percent or a two and a half percent increase across the board on average um, in which case that results in a merit scale that would then be controlled it's not going to be perfect but we'll be very close to that budgeted number um, each year and so the scale itself you know what's the lower and the upper limit as well as a scoring um, would, would then you know help control that uh, you know, the, the, the concern about, a, you know, everyone getting 10% increases, that's not going to happen. Okay. And um, so what is changing from the January decision is in January, the max column was removed, and now we're putting it back and retroactive back to January. Um, is that really what we're looking at? That's the current proposal. So there were several employees impacted uh, then, and um, currently there is no mechanism I have available to me to ensure that um, uh, those who were at or near the top of their range um, that resulted in a merit increase recommendation that I'm able to compensate that employee for that performance. It's, it's currently not, a, I can't do it. So they've, okay. they've received the performance evaluation um, that recommended a merit increase. It's not being applied currently. Um, and um, my concern is the, the sort of, um, uh, well, the incentive there is that if that's, if that's the current you know, process, then that employee is no longer encouraged to perform above their base expectation. Um, there is just no comp compensation reward for that. So, again, an incentive misalignment. Is there a disincentive? I mean, we There's, say decrease in the staffing uh, language, but nobody ever gets a decrease in pay, right, for per bad, bad performance? Uh, no, unless, unless they're on, a, uh, you know. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, in January, what the discussion was in the November discussion was that there was this re, well, it was a comp and classification study. So my guess is that those particular employees you're pointing to might have gotten a significant comp increase from that, right? And so then we remove this max thing at that point. For the market rate adjustment, there was no automatic, it was, for the market rate adjustment, it wasn't an automatically applied to, to staff unless they happened to be below the bottom of the range at that point. So this, that, that particular issue did not affect those employees, the employees we're talking about. And you agree too that the board can't see that, right? We don't know individuals and absolute effect on an employee. That's so, correct. So, you know, we're sitting on this side of the table and we're getting just kind of pieces. So I'm trying to sure. pull it all together. Okay. So in this max, uh, what you're requesting is, you know, a 10% between top and max, but you're saying that merits are more like three to five. So why should we go all the way to 10? Um, I'm open to that because I think you're accurately described that the the merit is usually along those lines. We don't we don't usually award anything more than that unless it's a particular promotion or a, um, a you know someone applying for a new opening that pays higher or something to that effect. Um, it's under the normal performance evaluation process. We tend to be uh, awarding you know the two to two to four percent um, uh, is pretty pretty common okay and I'll, I'll just note that in january that was a 7-0 vote no objections 
Um, not much discussion either. Uh, so the next question I have is a we and, and I just want to clarify from earlier. So we clarified, or I tried to clarify that almost every classification from level one all the way to five, or it's, there's level one. Okay, so level one to five can move forward from level one to five without their, you know, the whole, well, we have to have a vacancy for you to fill that seat, right? We've kind of clarified that there's an open path for most every employee. We talked about the exception of maybe department head. Yeah, but it's intentional, right? The uh, level three versus level four, there's a distinction between the expectations of that, that level. And so um, it's not a kind of an automatic spillover process. One, you know, works a number of years or uh, let's say they top their salary range. That's not the reaction. Is not just put them in the next level. That's a that's much more intentional. So what's the difference between you really excelled as your level here, but not enough to be promoted to the next be level? Because the expectation out of let's say a level two versus a level three would be different in terms of their uh, their need to be um, given direct oversight or supervision or direction versus more general. It's a distinctly different expectation you have out of, um, you know, it's assigning tasks versus assigning more nebulous projects versus assigning more strategic objectives, right? That's as you expect, uh, especially with the technical side. Um, when, when, you when you shift up in level, you're expecting a, a, a looser, um, for lack of a better term, hand-holding through the process and you're able to perform. But not to say that someone who's at a level two who's expected to perform it with some engagement and, and what I just described is performing well, they may just not be ready for that level three performing with less supervision and less direction, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I see another challenge, and I'll just use the first two lines on the classification schedule. If I'm doing super well as a one and I'm up in this max box, I'm actually being paid what a two is at top of range that as kind of another little problem long term that oh, feeds into mean. some more comments I'll have later about overall uh, objectives in in, um, in this process. See if I had any more questions. Um, so how often do you think a comp study should be done or what should we expect as a board to see that is that on a kind of an infrequent basis comp study um given that we've implemented a cola adjustment i think this will get rid of some of the concern associated with you know waiting two three years and then finding well we're behind largely because of cost of living adjustment or, or inflation so i i don't think um you know we're at as much risk as we used to be um that's not to say that, I mean, market fluctuations for job, uh, you know, what jobs pay, this is a market, you know, it's a, it's a function of supply and demand. Um, and so that, that has other, I think, other stressors. Uh, I'm going to kind of maybe because I'm, I'm talking way outside of my expertise here. Um, Georg, if you want to fill in there, I think that that's a, a good question, but probably has an, another, I, I guess, I'll say I don't think we are at as much risk, so I don't expect that we need to do it so often. But when we see a market stressor or something happening in the job market, it may be a good uh, reason to look at things. Eric, did you have anything to add there? Sure. Can you all hear me okay? Yes. Thank you. 
All right, good. Um, uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, so my my sense is, as a consultant, that most agencies perform more formal, agency-wide, you know, uh, comprehensive compensation studies every three to five years. Granted that there is a mechanism to keep the salary structure up to date with the market uh, on an ongoing basis, such as cost of living adjustments. So, so that mechanism is important because if you don't adjust your salary schedules every year, then you would start falling behind the market again and would maybe need to do compensation studies more frequently. Right. So the COLA model essentially does the homework because that's blind to performance and make sure that those at top top are at least receiving cost of living adjustment for the industry. That's correct. Okay. I think that is all my questions right now, President. <coughs> Director Limbaugh, and then it will be Director Cox's turn. Desnail. Oh. <laughs> um, this question is for uh, Georg. Um, how many public agencies um, use some type of, of uh, methodology for rewarding uh, employees that are stuck in a pay schedule? And is it common? And you can use state um, agencies and special districts or separate, in your opinion, if you know. Sure, yeah. I mean, the vast majority of our clients are local government agencies like cities, counties, and special districts. And, you know, we've, we've worked with hundreds of them throughout the state of California in the last, you know, 10 to 15 years or so. And I would definitely say that there is a bit of a trend now, much more common practice for public agencies to find some mechanism to reward performance. And I think it's an in response, direct response to the challenging labor market that we've all been experiencing with, with so much um, demand on talent and so much competition where that um, that um, scenario of, of, of topping out, as it's called, right, topping out at the top of the salary range uh, limits agencies to reward performance and retain talent, you know, provide that motivation for, for individuals to stay as opposed to, you know, finding that next job for just a few dollars more, which, which is more common than it ever used to be. Um, I, I don't have a percentage for you per se, as a, uh, you know, in terms of how many agencies do it out of hundreds, um, but certainly we've seen quite a bit of a trend in the last couple of years uh, for agencies to provide some type of mechanism to go above the top of a salary range. Okay, so we're not inventing the wheel here, I guess is, is what I'm saying. And secondly, um, I don't know, this question is probably for somebody on staff rather than the general manager, but you probably know, do they still use that long form when you review the employees annually with all the numbers and then you have a, a, a pool of how much you can give raises for and then depending on where you fall in that aggregate, I mean, it was pretty convoluted when I worked here for a long time, but we came from nothing to something and now we're here today, so it's, it's evolved, but do they, what is the performance evaluation uh, obviously, it's based on, on, on productivity and their, their job performance. But um, you said average three, three to six. What we was budget? It? I don't recall exactly how much we budget for. Three, three percent. So that's ten. That's the average we we you know we um, we award out. And it's there's you know, slight discrepancies and based on the performance of individuals. Um, but this you know this is a good way of sort of rewarding high performance and 
um, goal setting. And so the, the form that you're describing has probably seen some changes since you recall it. Um, I think it's probably simpler now. It's a shorter form. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think still ranked in, in, that's, you know. it's a score is still, de- we still derive a score. Uh, and you know, anyone who has done any of this before in their lives and which is most of us recognizes that there's not, these are not perfect, not perfect. Uh, ways. Um, and so that's a, you know, an internal, um, part of what I'm doing is, you know, how do we do training? How do we make sure that, um, uh, things are done consistently across the board? So it's, it's, I mean, it's. It's not a perfect science, but it's a good tool to recognize individual performance and team contribution um, and get the, you know, again, line up motivations to perform really well um, with uh, reward, which is, you know, a model that makes a lot of sense that most of this, you know, most of this, you know, U.S. is uh, signs up to. And that's what you'll find in most organizations. Thank you. Thank you, Director Limbaugh. Director Cox. And is there anyone else that's going to be requesting to ask a question? Okay. Director. As far as questions, I have uh, one simple one. Um, So I was reviewing the budget last night. I couldn't find this answer. Uh, What did we approve for the merit pool this year? Because the budget states that that takes board action, but I couldn't find what it was. I, I believe what the process is that we just apply a multiplier to salaries based on merit increase of three percent, um, and then I, you know, there's a, there's a lot of float in there because we run we typically run vacancies and we're not generally overstaffed, so um, there's room um, for adjustment as needed. You know, you may you may get a uh, uh, let's say a uh, this is probably a separate whole discussion, but you know, a, a recruitment that let's say we, we we weren't successful at finding a candidate, you play it out in a few months, and you go realize, hmm, maybe we can use some consulting actually to support us in a different way, and maybe we can work with our current staff and we can grow people. So that conversation is is always fresh and changing, and it's it's captured as part of our budget discussions, and of course our. Um, you know, my job to, you know, work with department heads to see how things are functioning, are, do, are we equipped the right way, and so on. Thank but you. to answer your base question, the assumption is just apply a, a 3% increase to that. I think we also do a COLA, we probably do a COLA as well, so probably something combined like 5% to capture what we would expect to see is for fluctuations for existing salaries. Could somebody at uh, a convenient time provide me with that number? I'll get you with the right person for that, for that question. Director Raleigh, I believe you had a question. Just a brief question. Um, did I understand that if the employee gets the merit increase, let's say in 2024, and then the evals do again in 2025, and that, that employee does, uh, for some, whatever reason, the uh, supervisor believes that the, the work performance has come down, and that does that have to be Every year, is that? Yes. And, and if, if that's the case, then if it's taken from them, uh, usually in public agencies when you dock pay or bring down somebody down from a pay scale, it's for disciplinary issues. And there's a whole process for that. There's Skelly, there's an investigation and that. Yes. So I guess my question would be to Bill, does this, um, would that, this policy hinder um, the employee's rights? Or does it open the agency up for uh, any type of uh, litigation because we're docking pay without um, 
uh, Skelly rights and, and investigation and documentation, other than just an eval? Yes. The answer is yes? It provides. It, it, it does present a problem to me. If, because the employee will automatically turn it into a discipline issue right. or a grievance or whatever. And uh, the grievance procedure, unfortunately, still ends with you guys. Your uh, the procedure, I don't like, but it, you're the ultimate trier of fact, and I've suggested that that stop. But you, uh, if I were representing the employee, I would say this is for discipline reasons. Uh, I was late or whatever, and all of a sudden we're into Skelly. Uh, you, you're right. I, I I don't know. You can draft around it and try that. Uh, it, it's an independent decision each year. But uh, if I'm representing the employee, I <coughs> turn it into a disciplinary issue. And then I saw you were going to... Just a clarification, yeah, I think the, the, the intent of the personnel rules was to describe this non-base pay or non-base building compensation that was temporary. And so assigned by employees, they would recognize that this is non-disciplinary in terms of its uh, uh, pay, but it's, it's, and it's temporary in nature. So it, it's, um, it, th that's the idea is that there would be protective of the agency for claims related to, uh, you know, Skelly issues and and uh, re re removal of pay based on something other than the disciplinary action. So um, I, I'm sorry, Bill, it's kind of not fair to Bill. I didn't talk to Bill about this much at all. Actually, I don't think I talked to him at all about it. I'm all for that, but I'm just telling you, yeah. as a union attorney, Rick is seeing you're, it's going to be turned against you. I, and I don't know how you prevent that. Thank, thank you for the answers. I have another question. Director Hoffman. So just to clarify, if you, they get a merit, you had mentioned that that would be for the following <clears throat> year, which would stay there, but that's not consistent. So they're not, we're not taking something away. They have to regain that merit again for the following year, correct? So I didn't understand when Rick's saying about taking something away. How are we taking it away? If it was base pay that was awarded that then got removed without a disciplinary action, um, that could trigger something like um, like Skelly. But in this case, the idea is a non-base building component, the employees would sign off just like they do with the, the, the personnel policy, would recognize that pay as temporary in response to merit increases and would result in needing to be re regained. Again, okay, just wanted to clarify because that's yeah. what I heard. But then that question made me second-guess it. Dr. West, I believe you had another question. As a follow-up to that. So how is this, um, if I'm awarded this 5% into the max column, is it a lump sum payment? Or is it increasing my hourly rate per year and then you're resetting my hourly back? That's the liability. Yes, it would be number two. If it was we a lump sum payment as a bonus, say, that might be different. I don't know, haven't explored it. That's the rub is now in January of the following year, so to speak. Hmm. Oh, you're back at last year's. But we're now decreasing your hourly pay. I understand you know it's non-binding, non-base billing, whatever. But, yeah, I see the liability there. 
Yeah, the um, the intent is not to pay it as a bonus. Bonuses are taxed differently, and the the intent here was to uh, compensate merit increases independent of where one is in their salary range, as as equitably and uh, across the board with all employees as possible, so that the same incentive um, was set up. But I, I I hear your your concern. Before I ask my question, is there any other follow up questions? I asked this uh, once before. Um, can you remind us on this particular year with this group of employees, how much money are we talking about? I don't know that number off the top of my head, but I would expect it to be less than thirty, forty thousand dollars Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I'm getting a nod from Carrie to say, yeah, it's... it's how many uh, employees is this involving? A uh, few. I think maybe three, maybe four, three to four currently. Okay. Okay. We've moved from the question phase, not that we can't go back there, to now the, uh, the opinion phase, because um, I know a number of people have their opinions on this uh, issue, and uh, we will get it started off with our uh, incoming president, Director Cox. Thank you. Um, it was just a year ago that the board made the decision to remove this from consideration from the personnel rules. That was done with multiple conversations at the committee level and the board level. Um, I've gone back and listened to the audio of the meeting when we made that decision. I can't see any compelling reasons in less than 12 months for us to be adding this back in, especially when this first daylighted in the public um, discourse on Tuesday, and now here we are on Thursday. I'm, I'm very uncomfortable with, with that. Um, I'm also uncomfortable with the perception that could be presented to the employees that we don't value you. Yes, of course we value you, but we are fiduciaries of the public trust, and we have an overwhelming obligation to thoroughly vet these issues and make sure we are making the best decision for the public, for the taxpayers, as well as for our employees. So let me preface my comments with, with that construct. Um, when you mentioned misalignment of incentives, I think the greater misalignment of incentives is not addressing the PEPRA uh, employees versus the classic. Right now, a lot of our public agencies are about 50-50 as we're seeing, you know, since the implementation of, of that act in, I think it was 2012, our new employees that are coming on have a differential retirement structure than our classic employees. And I think we need to put some effort in, in the lack of equity there. Uh, further, I think a better structure would be uh, looking into a longevity pay um, rather than this non-compounding whatever it is. Um, this was something that Kirby introduced, you know, over a decade ago, and I've always been uncomfortable with this, this concept. It's more a beauty contest, um, you know, than, than something that really brings true equity to the organization as a whole. Um, when Lynn was here, um, she did an analysis on the 
pay ranges that we approved, and that was half a million dollars. If you look at our budget and our personnel cost, that bar uh, went up significantly. And it did so because we as a board saw the need to, to increase that pay for to keep our employees to attract some of the amazing staff that we've been able to bring in-house in the last year and looking into the future. Um, but in that analysis she did of the employees that would be impacted by this, and that was less than 12 months ago, at that point there was only one person in the current year that that would have impacted. So I'd really like to revisit that um, that analysis that Lynn did. I can picture the graph that she uh, presented. It was either to at the committee level or the board. I really think we need to slow down on part B of this. Um, and I'd really like to request staff to take this back to uh, the, the new personnel committee that will begin meeting in January and take a look at this, address the concerns by council, look at something that might be more equitable overall, like the misalignment of PEPRA to classic PERS. Um, so those are my, my comments. Thank okay. you, President. Next up will be uh, Director West, and then after that will be Director Ramirez. Okay, I'll probably jump around here because I had some notes written. Um, so on the, uh, the fact that all 75, almost all 75 classifications are eligible for this beyond range, non-range changing bonus thing, um, I disagree that a person at the top of a level for one classification should have access to this bonus. Um, I think the path for an employee is really to excel through the ranks. That's the best benefit for all. And I think I thought this program was really for retention of the long-term top-of-all-scale class. And I agree a longevity bonus might be another option. Um, and, and we're talking about outstanding performance parameters, which are, I think, subjective across classifications and not necessarily equal. Um, and remember, the reasons for doing this wouldn't be apparent to everyone. We're not going to go declare to the community that employee X was so outstanding and say why. So on this side of the dais, um, you know, we, we must consider the other sub subject, which is the cost of the community. Um, another point I'd like to make is that the top of range is set for a reason. Um, a salary has to end somewhere. And one of my views is that the employee who gets to the top of range as quickly as possible makes more salary in the long run. Um, so I'm just not that comfortable uh, to, to our public and also to our employees. This is the really difficult part of the directorship. This isn't the fun part. Um, aside from the fact that as a board we only get a few days, sometimes even less, to review these materials and presentations, or maybe we're having some sidebar conversations with staff. But even with that, my gears just grind a little slower, and I'm sorry about that. Um, and so now we get to these issues that get deeper and more complicated, and you start thinking of other things that may be affected. Um, and it's, it's just come, this particular one is a little bit quick. Um, 
The rest of my comment was that as to this thing, uh, this is one of the really serious subjects that involves a whole lot of emotion. I mean, what employee doesn't want to make more money? I, I have never met one that said I want to make less. Um, everyone wants to be rewarded for meeting performance goals. But on the other hand, where does the agency's salary range end and end, right? Um, I don't think I have enough information to really understand the specifics of one portion of the uh, total package. I do believe I'm most comfortable with delaying the second decision and putting a whole lot more effort into the subject of the overall package. We've talked about this a number of times this morning. There's much more work to be done. Uh, Director Cox mentioned the uh, retirement. I'm thinking of things like, um, you know, we're providing nice telecommuting options. There are employees here who are not going to be able to have that benefit, and there should be offsets. Because now you're saying, well, I'm going to get a max, max bonus, and I get to work away from the office, or, you know, I get all these other extras that another employee cannot ever achieve because of the nature of the work. And I get it. That's the job they chose. But those are benefits. And as we get into this new world of the, you know, it's sort of an employee instead of a, you know, employer. Um, it's more of an employee's world. It's like, kind of like the same real estate, right? Buyer's market, seller's market. It's the employee's market right now. And I recognize that. And I value every employee we have. And I value everything we do as an agency. Um, but on this side of the table, we have to make those really hard decisions about thinking about the other. The other is our community um, and how this is perceived to them. Um, so... I think it's odd that, for instance, I mentioned it earlier, a level one employee can be making these max bonuses and never, ever have to achieve the next level of effort. And I just don't feel that's fair. I, I recognize, too, and I don't know why it's like this, but why a level one can get promoted to a two and all of a sudden you're almost at top of range again, that's never made sense to me. I have that same problem in my own salary schedule. I don't think that's really the way it's I, – I don't know why it's squeezing like that. Um, but I think we should be looking at the overall total package that's available to everyone from the very bottom classification to the top. And I think even an ad hoc committee that could really roll up their sleeves and talk about, honestly about where there are shortcomings in the overall package and bring all of that back so that all employees feel – like they're being feed, treated fairly. Um, so I'm just not ready to support the second phase at this time. It may become one of the elements of a new package, but I think we're missing some other important elements. And so that concludes my comments. Okay, thank you. So we're going to go to Director Ramirez, and then next up will be Director Hoffman. Um, similar comments. Um, I do support the first phase of this. Um, the second phase, uh, obviously... Um, uh, we need to do a little bit more. Um, Director Ramirez, can you speak more into the microphone? Or how about that? That's better. Uh, so, I, like I said, I do support the first phase of this project. Um, uh, the second phase, uh, we'll need to do a little bit more homework on. Um, but it, it stands to reason that we are all, most companies are struggling to try to retain their best talent. And um, so uh, I'm in favor of trying to uh, promote that. Uh, Obviously, there's, like I said, there's some things that we need to look at further uh, and having the legal advice and making sure this is all going to work. So that's all my comments. Okay. 
So we're going to go to, to uh, Director Hoffman, and then next up will be Director Raleigh. Okay. Um, again, I support I support what you're doing. I really do. You want to retain employees as I want to re retain employees as well. But what I'm hearing from everybody, there could be a legality. There could be different things. Maybe we do need to do a little bit more research. But I value every employee here, and if if it wasn't for them, we all wouldn't be here either. So let, let's do a little bit more research. Let's talk to county council, see what we can do, and uh, keep everybody. So Director Raleigh, and then we'll go to Director Limbaugh. Sure, thank you. Well, first off, I want to thank Adnan for bringing this forward, especially this early in his uh, tenure here as uh, general manager. Most general managers, whether you're city manager, school superintendent, or whatever, want to make the board happy in their first few months. You know what I'm saying? And that you went out, that you went out on a limb and supported the employees means a lot, I believe, uh, because you did. You brought something forward that is a little bit uh, not comp you know, just a little bit different. And, um, you know, it, it got a lot of discussion. And uh, I think that it went a long way for the employees to show that you got their back. And uh, whether this moves forward or not, um, it, it's good. So I, I actually support it if we can get uh, legal on board. I have been involved heavily with Skelly hearings over the years in my prior job and discipline issues. And they can be very contentious when you, when you take money from uh, employees for whatever reason. So if we could get uh, legal on board, I, I will fully support it. So uh, again, I commend you for bringing this forward and backing your employees. It means a lot. Thank you. Director Limbaugh. Oh, Rick, I, I, I don't know if I can follow. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's, I'm going to use Marina's term. I, I, I do a lot of notes and they're confusing to me, so hopefully I can read them a little bit better to you. Those are angry um, looking notes. <laughs> <laughs> it's brain stuff coming out. Doodles. Um, we have a highly professional, successful, productive, and Mojave experienced staff today as we sit. Even some of the new employees who are either well educated or well experienced at what they do, they are truly professional people in, in their uh, everyday existence and the work products that they produce for the citizens of our agency. And uh, it's an exciting time here at MWA. Uh, so having said that, and for six years when I worked here, I was the employee that was at the top of my range. I love getting that bonus every year, but my base salary never increased for six years. And uh, I was always at the top of the the review thing too. So um, I understand that. And uh, I was not as professional as some of the guys that are here now today, but um, maybe that's why I didn't get the base salary raise. And I didn't want to supervise anybody. I, I, yeah, or the bonus. <laughs> um, and I have another thought on that, what they talked about earlier. But I, I guess uh, my point is, and I think we all realize that, yeah, when you're an employee that has been here for a good amount of time and been a successful employee and contributed to the success of this agency in whatever your role is, um, and you get to the top of your salary range, 
uh, it wears on you. And uh, they, we need to come up with some way of doing that. And what I heard from the consultant guy, and there's got to be some other agencies that are at our level with a high level of professional people. Caltrans would never talk about this stuff. It wouldn't exist in their uh, uh, identity. So I think because of the diversity of what we do here and the quality of folks we got, um, that uh, we have to consider something to reward them. And I know what we've tried kind of worked, but kind of didn't, uh, particularly when we found out that we're going to have to start paying people more to to attract them. So we had to adjust all the salary ranges and we tried to back into, okay, what are we gonna do with people that are at the top? And we, we tried to do that a year ago and it, it wasn't a perfect system and it's not a perfect system today. So maybe we need to spend a little more time doing that. Um, but we need need to, to provide for people that are, are, are tenured here and are contributing on a day-to-day on -day basis and over the years to come, otherwise they're gonna leave and we'll lose all their valuable experience and all their valuable abilities. So, and, and it's very difficult to, to find replacements. When I first, uh, 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 when Larry left and Kirby came two years after he left, we were without a leader for a couple of years, but then Kirby showed up. We still didn't have a hydrogeologist here. My one plea to Kirby was, you gotta get a hydrogeologist here. This is a, we're a groundwater agency, and we don't have a hydrogeologist. Our, we're not performing our duty. And so finally he hired a couple guys. And, uh, and now where we are today is amazing. Um, so I, I just think that uh, we've got to find a way to do this and, and put it to bed. Um, now the, the, the other thing is, um, since I was doing this for six years, Bernard, can I, can I go back and maybe get some, uh, since they didn't adjust my base? <laughs> he wants more money. <laughs> anyway. Um, too long, Mom. Yeah. I, 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 I would definitely move ahead with part one of this, and I would hope that uh, we can get some program uh, rationed out to, to reward the people that have put in the effort here over the years and that are at the top of their range and find a successful way to reward them so we'd have to keep revisiting this thing. And uh, uh, I would agree with the other board members who have already spoke that uh, we're in support of compensation reimbursement for productive employees who have reached the, the top of their level, but we need to do it in a way that's uh, not going to have, we're not going to be back here in six months trying to figure out what we do again. So. Um, Maybe we need to look around and see what other agencies of our caliber are, are doing uh, today with that situation. And uh, I personally will promise the employees that I will fight for uh, the people that are at the end of their range and are highly productive here, that they need to be compensated justly. And uh, that's, that's my comments. Thanks. Well, fantastic uh, dialogue uh, here this morning on, on this issue. Um, appreciate everyone's opinions. Um, I'm one that, uh, and I don't think we're going to get uh, a first and a second on this, but uh, uh, I could go ahead and support this. We do have another motion that's sitting here just for everyone to be aware of. I could support this, um, like all of us, very concerned about um, those employees. Uh, I also certainly see the other side of looking into this uh, much deeper. Um, but at this point, we've got to see if we get a first and second on this motion. And as I said, there's another uh, motion that's ready. Um, well, if so this board. Actually, is the chair of EFS 
I'd like to, or used to be the chair, I'd like to make a substitutionary motion. I mean, and but first of all, out of respect for um, agency leadership, Adnan, do you want to modify your recommendation to the board at this time, or do you want that modification to come in the form of my motion? Sure, I appreciate that. This was a really helpful discussion. Um, I, I was working under limited timing between November, December. Um, I, so I, I, just to lay it out, I, you know, this is a current issue in terms of compensation for those. And so I wanted to quickly or start to uh, be able to address this. So, uh, but um, I'm hearing that it was at the cost of a conversation that may need to happen. So um, I'm prepared to support um, a recommendation that says, um, uh, you know, we come back um, uh, in January or so and discuss further. Um, it's not to say that this can't be. Um, you know, if there's general interest, how do I say this? Um, we, we, we could always look at this as a, as a package as well with the further conversations. I really appreciate what you're talking about with respect to, you know, classic versus pe Pepra, you know, is there longevity pay that addresses what we're trying to do? Um, this is sort of the, the most um, on the nose way to approach it in terms of um, how you pay employees based on merit um, uh, at different parts of their range. But I, but I understand um, uh, this, this could benefit from more, converse, more conversations. So um, with that, yeah, I, if we want, uh, I think I prepared that motion for you to read out, um, which we could then. But we uh, don't have to do anything on this one that's already up. Legal so this counsel. one, this would not, this would not be the motion. There's a separate motion that would uh, basically approve the, the pay schedule that includes the new classifications does not add a max column and no change to the personnel policies and procedures as of yet, but directing staff to bring this back, um, that part, part and uh, for discussion and potential adoption, you know, at a future month. So I will read that motion. I'll make the motion to adopt the updated salary plan uh, with the addition of the noted classifications, which I think is fabulous but without the addition of the max to each range and request that staff uh, return to, actually, I, I think I will appoint an ad hoc committee to work on this for further discussion on the non-base building compensation related to merit increases to those employees near the top of the range and take a more holistic approach to that and looking at longevity pay and the misalignment of PEPRA versus Classic. So, so that is my motion. So Director Cox made the motion, and now we need a second. I second it. Do we add that we should look at other yes. possible options, just not just yep. absolutely uh, so A first by Director Cox, a second by Director Limbaugh. So now we can go to vote. Seven nothing. Okay, it switched screens on me. Um, so pass unanimously. I think we'll end up in a better place looking at multiple potential disparities. Okay, we got through that one. Uh, we've got more work to do, and we still have a holiday luncheon after a long. Um, my understanding it will be a long closed session, so we've got quite a day ahead. Um, so item number 11, consider authorizing transfers of State Water Project 
water between Mojave Water Agency and the County of Kings and to file appropriate environmental documents. Thank you. I'll be brief with this one. Um, my Christmas gift to you to have a last item that goes by fast. Um, the agency did authorize transfers of state water project water, Article 56 specifically, um, in 2022. And, the, and uh, one was finally executed at the beginning of this year to the County of Kings. This was, um, we recognize, uh, well, first, there was a need from Kettleman City uh, that was uh, really tapping into you know, health and safety needs as well as uh, represented a good opportunity for the agency, consistent with um, our current policy, to uh, uh, transfer water in years where we can bring in a lot of revenue for that, at, of course, not um, at, um, uh, at the expense of, of what we need to do in terms of taking care of our service area. But that represented, you know, we, we, we transferred 310 acre feet to them at that point in time. Well, uh, fast forward to this water year and, and things quickly got way different. Um, we got 100% year. And uh, they came back to us and said, hey, we have some waters unmanaged, 300 acre feet. Um, and uh, we said, sorry, no take backs, but let's see if we can work on a deal to, to bring that water into our service area for, uh, instead and then return by a transfer uh, back to them an equivalent amount, recognizing the, the differential value of water in the year we return it back. So if you could scroll down. Um, while this hasn't been fully negotiated, go down, please, more, all the way to the second page. Um, this ratio and allocation table describes the amount of water that would be returned on the original 300-acre feet if they, were, if they uh, pr did provide it to us this year, what would be transferred back to the County of Kings. Um, there's no exchange of money um, otherwise. There's no costs or fees. It's just essentially an exchange. Um, and uh, uh, in the case of a, a request back in a year when it's as wet as ours, you know, now, 95 to 100% year, it, we get them back the full 300. If it was requested back in a drier year, we'd re re return as, as little as one-sixth of that amount, uh, um, so 50 acre feet. So this is, this is the concept. Um, the, the request here, if you go down to, oh, that's no, right there. Staff recommends the board of directors authorize the general manager to execute final agreements with County of Kings and Department of Water Resources for transfers of state water project and to file appropriate environmental documents. Um, I noticed I went through that real quick. So just a quick <coughs> reminder, this is taking their water, 300 acre feet this year, and returning it back to them at some future year, recognizing the difference, the, the difference in value. Um, this is really late in the game, which December, and it was supposed to be done uh, by the end of the calendar year or it wouldn't happen on this year's water. So I don't even know if it's possible to get it done, but just positioning in the event that it could be uh, possible. Uh, and like I said, there's no, pay there's no payment to County of Kings for this water. It would just be the DWR uh, variable charges we receive for any deliveries to our uh, turnout. With that, I'm happy to take questions. Questions? Does not appear to be any questions. We have a uh, agencies helping agencies. So it. we have a uh, motion by Director Raleigh and a second by Director Limbaugh. Is before we ask, is any is everyone prepared to vote? Okay. Okay. Now it's on this screen. It keeps moving on me. 
<laughs> and it's tiny. So it, it did pass seven to nothing if my eye, my glasses are reading correct. Okay, here it is. Yes, that passed unanimously. Thank you very much. Okay, now on to legal. No, I'm sorry, manager's report. A couple of reports, actually. Well, first, I wanted to say I really appreciate the conversation today. Um, this is a really great place to work uh, because I've got fantastic staff, but also the board is one of the best in the business. So thank you for being who you are. Uh, but I want to kick it off to Mike uh, Page. I'm not Mike Page. Mike Simpson. Different Mike. Um, for some good news, if you could share that. Thank you, uh, General Manager Ann Aptari. I'd like to uh, make an announcement that uh, we have two new employees in the engineering department. Uh, first of all, we have uh, a new engineering manager, Tesfe Demisi. If you can stand, Tesfe. <clears throat> and we also have a new senior engineer, Stefan Longoria. If you can stand up, Stefan. Pleased to have these two uh, new employees in the engineering department, and uh, we are looking forward um, to all the work that we can get accomplished, all the projects coming on board and infrastructure repairs and replacement. Uh, definitely need them. Thank you. And then one more. Carrie, do you want to come up and, to the podium and introduce? I, was like, I, I would like to introduce Martha Cortez. She's here um, with a wealth of knowledge and experience from City of Vesperia and has hit the ground running in the finance department. What, what, what position? Yeah, what position? Uh, an accountant. An accountant, too. Yes. Welcome. Welcome. Okay, and that's it. That concludes. Oh, one more. Sorry. Oh, that's right. Yes, thank you. Some not so great news. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Depends how you look at it, Ed. Uh, thank you. Um, Members of the board, uh, Mr. President. So uh, Adnan wanted me to reach out and do just a quick uh, high-level overview of uh, a leak that we had on our RQ potable drinking water line. When he said he wanted high-level and brief, uh, as most of you know me, I like the details. So it was, I was uh, challenged as to how do I get 100 slides down into five. But I think I did that. And more to come at uh, our next pre-O meeting. So uh, with that being said, we'll get started real quick. Next slide, please. Oh, I got power here. All right. Okay, here we go. Okay, so uh, this leak occurred on uh, November 25th, which was a Saturday just after Thanksgiving. And uh, as I mentioned, this is on our R-Cube potable drinking water line. Um, for those of you who are not aware of this line, uh, this line, this distribution system, provides additional potable water to um, cities like Victorville, uh, Atalano and Hesperia when they request that water. So the leak actually happened at the intersection of Mariposa Road and uh, Mesa Street in the city of Hesperia. At that time, staff uh, uh, arrived at the site and they stopped the flow of water by isolating valves on each side of the 15 freeway. And here you can see in this slide here, here's, uh, here's Bear Valley Road up in here. Here's the 15 freeway. Here's Main Street over here. That uh, leak happened just right in this area here. So uh, <clears throat> obviously there's definitely some concerns as to the location of this. Here's an actual photo on that Saturday. You can see here the leak hole that was pumped out. We used our on-call contractor that particular day. We pumped out that area. We temporarily backfilled that um, hole as well and secure the area as best as possible. 
some of the challenges here um, that we're, we're going to be faced with, that we are being faced with, is this line here in this particular section, because we went underneath the 15 freeway, if you look um, from this leak hole here and look across the 15 freeway, you see a stop sign here. For the most part, that's where our line runs across. We are extremely deep in this area. They did put in a 54-inch casing where our 36-inch line runs through. So in the event something like this were to happen and there was a leak, the intent is to have that water come out on the sides of, uh, of the 15 freeway. And you can actually see this here, this road here is Mariposa. And we are assuming, based off of as-builts, uh, the casing, the 54-inch casing, ends somewhere right around this location as well. Um, because of this pipe being installed in some casing, uh, where's the leak at? Is it underneath, directly underneath the 15 freeway? Is it uh, on the edge of the 15? So this being somewhere in the neighborhood of about 20 feet plus deep, um, staff had moved up further upstream of this, and we actually cut into the pipeline itself. We did this on uh, Friday, December 1st, and we inserted a camera into that pipeline so we can uh, crawl down into the pipeline with the camera and try to find out if we could determine where that leak was. So we were looking for an aha moment. We did not find that. Out of all my entire career, I never had uh, wished for locating a hole the size of a softball, more so than this particular period, and we did not find that. But what we did find was some, uh, an area of concern, which looks to be where the water would be leaking from. And fortunately, based off of that camera location, it looks like it's just uh, at the edge of that casing, give or take a couple feet. So um, we won't know until we actually get that dug up. So because of uh, cameraing this line, uh, we're able to look at some of the as-builts and determine what kind of material was uh, installed. We're hoping that the as-builts and the lay sheets are accurate. Uh, that's the best information we can go off of at this time to minimize uh, an open hole, especially this deep. So we have ordered materials uh, at this time. We've ordered materials. We're waiting for those materials to be delivered. Um, we're working with our on-call contractor to schedule this repair. Uh, along with this, there's a lot of um, uh, coordination with subcontractors, whether that be uh, welding contractors uh, blowing in some additional sand in that annulus space. Uh, shoring, this being as deep as it is, is not a typical shoring project because we are 20 feet pl plus deep. So there's a lot of that that uh, is being coordinated as we speak. Um, we're hoping and anticipating this might be a little eager, but uh, if we don't set a goal, I feel like we never get there. So we're hoping that completion will be somewhere early to mid-January on this particular project. So I'm here for any questions that you may have at this time. Are there any questions? Director Cox. Do we have any customer deliveries that we've delayed because of this issue? Because of the design on this system, um, we don't have any bypasses. This uh, rainbow uh, grid here that you see, we actually take water from the booster station here and pump it this direction into the Lepanto Reservoir that you can't see on the screen. Because there's no bypasses, we needed to shut down both sides of this line. So that has hindered, and we'd have, we have had to stop all deliveries to uh, our customers, City of Victorville, uh, Atlanta, and Hesperia as well. 
Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Any other questions? Okay. Any other reports? Oh, oh I'm sorry. Director Mike, Limbaugh. You said you couldn't determine the leak at first um, when he wrote the thing. It was uh, at a joint. But now you don't know? Uh, no, at this point, we noticed um, <clears throat> it looks like a joint has separated uh, at the top of the joint. So we're assuming there's probably some settling that may have happened, some uh, tension maybe from during construction. Is that uh, all no. gasketed pipe through there? Uh, at this location, it's all um, balanced picketed welded steel pipe. Welded? Yes, sir. That's bad. Definitely so concerning. Because compaction at that location, how many other places did they miss? That is definitely of some concern. Not close to the freeways, not good. <clears throat> well, when you said that there was good news, then bad news, I guess. <laughs> okay, anyone else? Railroad would be worse. <laughs> I would have led with the bad news first if I remembered, so. <laughs> any other reports? Nothing additional to report, thank you. Okay, legal report. Okay, we'll start with uh, director's uh, reports, and I'll start with uh, Director West, and then I'll go to Director Ramirez. Thank you, President uh, Page. I just, one last thing I wanted to say was, first of all, thank you, Adnan, for your patience with me and working through some of these more difficult issues. And my message to staff is um, what I'm trying to convey is let's look at the whole thing and not just one piece so that we can make sure that um, we are being um, the most competitive agency we can be and keep everyone at every level feeling like they're being treated fairly. And, and I, I see some discrepancies there, and I think we can work through those in this ad hoc process. And we, uh, I would... If, if I was selected for that, I'm not saying I'm interested, but um, I would certainly do my due diligence <laughs> to, um, you know, move through this process as quickly as we can. So please bear with us. And, um, and to our public, you know, we're going to do the best we can uh, with what we have, and that's why we <coughs> do need to, to take this time and do this. This is really important. Thank you. Hey. Director Ramirez, and then it'll be Director Hoffman. Sure, I, I concur with uh, what she just said. Um, <laughs> I, I want to show my appreciation for the staff, just as uh, she said. It, it is uh, very difficult to make these decisions, but we just need a little bit more uh, thought put into it so that we're not getting sideways legally. Um, but, uh, yes, I, I do support the... Uh, uh, doing something that will benefit everyone. Director Hoffman, then Director Raleigh. Thank you. I'm not going to say or reiterate what everybody's already said. So all I want to do is wish everybody a happy holidays, be safe, and uh, we'll see you next year. Director Raleigh, and then it will be uh, Director Limbaugh. I just want to thank Yvonne. She's her last day. I, I spoke with her yesterday, and I asked her, well, what are you going to do? And she's a neighbor of mine, and so she said, I'm going to start walking. So I'll probably see her walk in the neighborhood. But uh, she's been an icon in this community for a long time. I mean, she goes back a day. She's old school. So No, no, I just said old school. Okay, there's a big difference. Oh, but we're the same age, so it doesn't matter. Him. 
You're misinterpreting, Rick. Yes, yes. So anyway, good luck to you, and uh, congratulations on a stellar career in um, PIO. In back to Victorville, to here, and everywhere. So thank you. Director Limbaugh and Director Cox. Yeah, uh, President Page, thank you for your, your uh, as usual, visual <clears throat> watch this year. Looking forward to having uh, Kimberly back in the chair. She's always done an uh, admirable job, and I'm sure she will continue. Um, Yvonne, you weren't at the top of your pay <laughs> scale, were you? Just, just curious. <laughs> uh, okay, all right. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Way too young. Um, the, uh, th this 2023 has really brought uh, a lot of things to MWA. Um, we transitioned from one general manager to another one to another one. That was great. And uh, we ended up uh, with probably the best solution that we could have possibly imagined. Um, the water importation this year, uh, the people of this valley really need to know what, what has happened. Um, to see that river run 12 months out of the year, kudos to everyone involved. Um, we can import 90,000 acre feet a year here. So that's a viable community way into the future. We can just convince the Northern California that uh, the water's not for the Bay Area. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to do that based on what's happening up there. But uh, anyway, and the other thing that's uh, coming down the pike is uh, the Delta Conveyance Facility. Except the, 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 the big hurdle there is not necessarily whether the environmental document is going to be successful. It's whether we can get Metropolitan Water District to participate. If they do not participate in that project, it will not happen. So I don't know how that's going to come about. I'm not involved with that aspect. I just worry about the leaks by I-15 from the pipeline. So because, uh, my God, they've got that I-15 fouled up pretty good already. So maybe the water running across it would help it. And uh, again, uh, I'll echo what uh, Director Hoffman said. Uh, season's greetings to everybody and have a wonderful uh, holiday season. Thanks. Director Cox. I think everything's already been said, but uh, Avon, you will be missed for sure. Um, really wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. I'm excited about what next year holds for this agency, for the projects, for the trajectory that, that we have now, for you know the leadership that's in place. It's going to be an exciting year, so hold on to your hat as we... <laughs> Sail ahead. So, Director Cox, I wasn't going to start off with this, but uh, you're going to have to be careful what you wish for. <laughs> because um, in this last year, as Director uh, Lumbaugh mentioned, we transitioned from one general manager to another. We appointed two new directors, um, brought in all this. I, just, I was just thinking about the three other times that I had been um, president of this board, we had the Dudley Ridge the one year, but we probably in this one year did what sometimes it would be three, four, five years worth of just of just the activity um, that took place. And I'm just uh, glad that um, I got to be part of this with all of you, and just uh, really appreciate my time here as the uh, the president uh, this year. I do want to say Merry Christmas to everybody. I know we have a, a holiday lunch coming up afterwards. And then just special appreciation to uh, Vaughn. Uh, I know this has been said by several others, just what she's done 
um, for the community, what she's done for this agency, personally what she's done for me. She was on my first uh, campaign to get elected, and you haven't gotten rid of me since. Um, so <laughs> you, you can blame her. Um, 22 years. Yeah. She was at the top of the range. Yeah. <laughs> so um, with that is uh, my last uh, report as uh, the president. It will be turned over to Director Cox. And as I said earlier, she's got a whole slate of uh, committee members. And uh, with that, we'll move it to item number 15. And discussion items for next or future agenda items. Nothing? Okay, now I have been made very clear that this is not going to be a short closed session. So just warning everybody that uh, we've got quite a bit to cover um, in that closed session. And at some point, we will return. Are we doing both of these items in closed session? I, I might not be able to be at this closed session then. Property uh, in. I was just thinking. Yeah. I don't know how we do it um, really any different. So with that, we're going to a closed session. Thank you. Directly? Directly. Yeah. Well, of course. Is Mike and uh, yeah we have enough so let's just go on uh, legal counsel. Would you like to report? Board met in closed session, and uh, the reportable action on item 17 say authorize the real property negotiator to go forward and continue to negotiate to to acquire title to that piece of property APN 04660923. Okay, and now do we need to vote on that, or is that just... Yes, you're okay. authorizing to go So we have a first from Director Cox, second. second from Director Raleigh. All in favor? Aye. aye. And you see the four that are here? Did you say aye? Mike yeah, says say aye, aye, too. So five. Okay, with that, as long as Latrice says I can, I can adjourn. We're adjourned. This is a wrecker.